the International Missions Board is uh, the organization that sends missionaries around the world, uh, funded through churches like ours that give to the cooperative program. And so we praise God uh, for the work that they're doing across uh, our globe. And I praise God for you and your faithfulness and giving uh, to God uh, through our church and the way that's impacting the nations. Um, we, uh, as, as we hit in the year, uh, we have exceeded our budget. Uh, we didn't count this week, but last we knew we were over $600,000 uh, ahead of our budget. We're not saving money by not having the heat on. That was just a mistake. But uh, the truth is God is really blessing. And uh, of what's given above and beyond, we are putting half of that towards uh, debt reduction in hopes to having our debt paid off uh, in the beginning of this year. Praise God uh, for that. Uh, but in addition to that, 25% is going to missions, a large portion of that going to to uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and we hope with uh, your faithful giving to give our largest gift in the history of our church as we have been doing, uh, setting records the past several years. So thank you uh, so much uh, for how that uh, giving is impacting uh, not only Niceville, but impacting the nations. Well, next week uh, is January 7th, and uh, on uh, Sunday night, January 7th, we are going to have uh, our uh, prayer night, and I would encourage you to attend this prayer night. I, I appreciate all of our prayer nights we do once a month, but this one will be a time of hearing some stories of what God has done in people's lives, as celebrating just his work, and then praying together for things uh, personally and then as a church body uh, for the uh, new year. So I would encourage you to join us next Sunday night. And then uh, next Sunday morning, we begin uh, a series through the book of Philippians. Uh, we'll be going through all of Philippians and Colossians in uh, 2024. Uh, but as we begin, uh, we're looking at uh, chapters 1 and 2, and we're talking about our brand and what it really means to be uh, the people of God. And so I hope that you will uh, join us uh, beginning next Sunday as we begin that journey. Well, today is December 31st. I know it feels like it's been a month uh, since we last met on Christmas Eve, but it is still 2023. And as well as it being the end of the year, it is the end of our journey through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which took us 28 sermons. Paul's final remarks to the church at Ephesus are that he ascended Tychicus to give them an update on himself and those with him ministering in Rome and to encourage their hearts. And just as Paul's desire is for the hearts of the Ephesians to be encouraged, that is my desire for you uh, as we end this letter and end this year. End of the year encouragement from the end of Ephesians. We'll be looking at chapter 6, verse 21 through 24. So let's read the last four verses of this letter. As you find your place at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, I know that there are some of you uh, who know that I am a lifelong Gator fan, and you were wondering if I'm going to make a joke about FSU, and I'm not because I think it's clear that they need to be left out. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 21 through 24. Man, that's not what you want going into the Word of God. So uh, maybe I should pray and then we should read. So let's do that. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I just thank you so much for your goodness. I, I, I thank you so much uh, for the fact that um, our unity in you uh, can really allow us to have um, humor in uh, small things of life. And God, it can even allow us uh, to see past differences that we may have with each other as long as we are about you and your mission 
And um, God, your grace just covers us in that journey. And so I know that today there are those who 2023 was not a great year for them. Um, personally, maybe, uh, relationally, um, challenges that came their way. And Lord, I just pray that they understand that your mercies are new every morning. It doesn't have to be the turn of the year to experience your mercy. It just has to be the turn of our heart. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would all have our hearts positioned to just receive your goodness in our life. That is not contingent upon how good we are. It's contingent upon how good you are. And God, that does transform us. And so I pray we're truly yielding to you to transform us and to have your way in our lives and to be faithful to you. And God, as we open your word and read your word, I just pray that we would yield our hearts to you and we would uh, turn our hearts to you and you would transform us through your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 through 24. Uh, Paul writes, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The goal of ministry is to encourage hearts. The word encourage in verse 22 is a Greek word parakaleo. This word means to help or to come alongside. The aim of ministry is to come alongside others. And notice Paul says to come alongside hearts, to encourage hearts. You don't need me to tell you that our hearts often need encouragement. Life throws a lot of things at us that can discourage us from living for him. Comparison. And seeing how others are living compared to how we're living. Challenges where it's just hard to do the things you know you're supposed to do. It's hard to be faithful. It's hard to have integrity. It's hard to press on in the midst of adversity. And circumstances that just can be challenging that are beyond our control. And then think about all those things that happen while also being someone who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. While being someone who wants to minister to others. And the things that brings with us. Because as we minister to others and we're doing God's work, we're doing what we believe is the Lord's will, there are still challenges, if not more challenges, that come our way. And it's not always easy. And then there are circumstances that certainly make it difficult for us that are beyond our control. And there's still the comparison of others. And then there's criticism that comes. Some fair, but much of it unfair in our day. And so people feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe you feel like the fight you've been fighting just isn't worth it anymore. And there are people who are being told, maybe it's you, that you're not making a difference. They're being criticized. Your motives are being questioned. Maybe you're thinking it would be better to not keep serving. The goal of ministry is to encourage hearts. It's to help people. It's to come alongside them and allow them to continue to pursue God's will for their life, for their family, for however he might use them in their career, for how they might help 
the church. Yes, there is more to ministry. There is the desire to see those come to know Christ. But a big part of ministry, a big aim of ministry is to encourage hearts. In this text, we see two aspects of how Christian hearts are encouraged. Fellowship and fruit. And I want to talk about each of those. We'll begin with fellowship. Paul shows us two qualities that we should be concerned with if we want to be people who experience true Christian fellowship. Two things that are necessary for true Christian fellowship, and it's not a covered dish and sweet tea. That's 80s and 90s Christian fellowship in the South. Or if you're a student ministry, pizza and Mountain Dew. But, you know, same, same principle. The first thing he says here is Christian character. He references a man here who was a ministry companion of his. According to Acts chapter 20, verse 4, he was in the group that traveled ahead of Paul, going from Greece to Macedonia towards Jerusalem. He probably del delivered the letter to Ephesus. 2 Timothy 4, verse 12 indicates that Paul sent him to Ephesus. He probably also delivered the letter to the Colossians as well, based on the language in Colossians and the time it was written. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says he is going to send him to Crete. That's about all we know. But what is most relevant to us today is how Paul described him. He was a beloved brother and faithful minister. You can see that in verse 21. And while there are other things about Christian character that contribute to true fellowship, these are two things worthy of our time today given their place in the text. He says he's a beloved brother. True fellowship asks us to be beloved brothers or beloved sisters in Christ. For Paul to reference Tychicus in this way indicates not only the belief that he is saved, but the visible evidence of his salvation. In Ephesians, Paul has established how great the grace of God is in saving us and how he has called us to respond to his salvation with trust and obedience to him in several ways. Remember what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now he references a man who is God's child, who is imitating him, who is walking in love, and so whose life embodies sacrifice for others. And it's evident in his love for people. So being a beloved child of God is acting like it. And therefore, being a beloved brother or sister brings about the fullest Christian fellowship because of how your love for God is expressed in your relationships with other people. This is very simple. But there is a reason that this simple truth is spoken of clearly and directly in the Old and New Testament. There's a reason that, has been, that it has been written about for thousands of years of church history. There is a reason that books confront this truth and seem to resonate with this deeply. There's a reason that the most memorable sermons revolve around this topic, and there's a reason that relationships tend to be what is on your mind the most. So perhaps we say we want God and his way, and his will in our life. The best measure of whether or not we are sincere about that, whether or not that is a true statement, 
is whether or not we love others. I was listening to a Christian rap playlist the other day, and it says, you talk a lot about how much you love God, but you don't seem to love your neighbor too much. So there ought to be a genuine love for brothers and sisters in Christ if we are children of the Father. I've said before that as a dad, I do not only want my children to love me, I very much take delight in them loving one another. And our Heavenly Father wants to see us loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And here we see this example of a beloved brother. But Paul not only refers to him as a beloved brother, he refers to him as a faithful minister. Perhaps a better translation is servant. Maybe some translations use that word because I think minister tends to lend towards us thinking about someone who is entrusted with a position and then serves. When Paul, and I believe God, had in mind someone who served and was therefore entrusted I think we have an epidemic around in the church, of not this church, in the church of people who ministry is a career, not an overflow of a heart of service. And so they treat it like a job instead of treating it like a privilege. But I don't think we're intended, so that's applicable, but I don't think we're intended to think of this only in terms of those who are paid by the church. For service, Granted, they should be included. Perhaps you are familiar with the phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is from the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25 and Luke 19. The point of this parable told by Jesus is to be faithful using what God gives you for his service. Each of us uniquely equipped and designed for the common purpose of the building up of the body of Christ for the glory of God. So are you faithful to serve God in ways that he has equipped you to serve? For thousands of years, people have equated this to three things, time, talent, and treasure. So the question for you and I this morning is when it comes to our time, when it comes to our talents, when it comes to our treasure, are we faithful to God? Do we prioritize God with our time? Look, I understand that life is demanding of our time. In fact, I feel like that's the thing, the resource I have the least of. I know a lot of you can identify with me on that. And that is why it has to be a priority that I say I'm going to make time in God's word time with brothers and sisters in Christ, time serving, I have to make it a priority or it will slip. When it comes to talent, we cannot evaluate our faithfulness on how effective we are compared to other people. We should be spurring one another on and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but the reality is with who God has made you to be and what God has gifted you to do, are you saying, how can I benefit him and how can I benefit others with that. And then treasure. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. Am I sacrificing to prioritize God and his eternal work with the money that God has blessed me with? Christian character really contributes greatly to fellowship, 
to the encouragement of one another. And Christian character can really be summarized in being a beloved brother or sister who says, I love my brothers and sisters because of the love I have for my father. And being a faithful minister who says, I'm going to do what God has called me to do with what God has given me to do it. Another part of fellowship that we see found here in this text is Christian concern. So Christian character, but also Christian concern. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians 6.21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. So he says he's sending this letter so that they would know how he's doing and how he is. And then in verse 22, he says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. The way this is written is such that the report on Paul and his companions uh, will be told how they're doing and what they're doing and that it will encourage the Ephesians. Meaningful fellowship is rooted in a care about how people are and how ministry is going. So something that should matter to us is how people are doing. How people are doing. We've been talking about how life lived for God is spiritual warfare. We've been talking about that over the last uh, few weeks. Satan will not be at peace with us if we are at peace with God. The comparison trap will always be coming into our minds if we are trying to live for God, trying to get us to either think we're better than others or think we're not good enough. That will constantly be an attack from the enemy. Challenges will be thrown our way if we are trying to live our life for God. It is not easy street to take the high road and to live for Christ. Circumstances will come against us. If you do not believe that God allows that to happen, read the book of Job and you will see that he does. Circumstances will be challenging and criticism will come. It will come. What is true of Paul and his companions and what is true of believers is that in the midst of these challenges that come our way, we take joy and hope in who Christ is and his position and direction towards us. That even in the midst of challenges, we are okay because God is showing us who he is. And God gives us a joy and a validation and a sense of worth that comes from him. In 2023, I have seen death and people who in the face of losing someone who is dear to them, who take great comfort and joy and the hope that we have in Christ. In 2023, in our church family, there have been people who have received diagnosis that say their years, their days are numbered, but who want to make the best use of the days that they have left for God and for others. In 2023, in our church family, there have been people who have gone through divorce, through a spouse that no longer wants to keep their commitment, who doesn't love them, who doesn't honor them, who have in the midst of darkness 
found hope in Christ. And in 2023, I have seen so many of you who are so dedicated to keeping God a priority with your time and your talent and treasure. And when you see people who are being faithful to God in the midst of challenging circumstances, who are being faithful over years, this encourages you if you're a brother or sister in Christ. Not only is it how people are doing that encourages us, but what people are doing encourages us. People do all kinds of stuff. They take cool trips. They work cool jobs. They do cool things. They buy cool things. That's great. I like trips, jobs, things, and stuff. But what encourages hearts is our brothers and sisters in India in other places where they don't have the freedoms that we have who continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. What encourages our hearts is uh, one of the church planters that we're going to be partnering with in 2024 named Juan Kwok, who worked for the North American Mission Board and stepped down from his position because he had a heart to reach one of the most unreached places in our nation. What encourages hearts is the Jeffersons, who are a young couple with a young child who are moving to a place out of the comfort of Okaloosa County where there is darkness and where they can't even publicly say who they are and that they're going there to spread the gospel. What encourages my heart is Steve Ferris and Billy Grimes and Maydell Bass, who are life group leaders in our church, who have been physically struggling and who continue to serve and give their time for others. What encourages my heart is a guy named Dave Rodriguez who got baptized in this church just a few years ago, who's now a group leader in a church where he is stationed now. And more and more and more. Christian concern is encouraged by the fact that people are doing okay in the midst of challenges and that people are doing faithful work for the Lord. And this really contributes to fellowship, this character and this care. This encourages our hearts. And we see in this text that our hearts are not only encouraged by fellowship, but they're encouraged by fruit. And Paul gives a blessing to the Ephesians in the final two verses, similar to how he concludes most of his letters. Verse 23 and 24. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul's blessing includes three things, peace, love, and grace. And like with Christian character, this isn't comprehensive all of all that the Spirit does in our hearts to, encourages us, uh, to encourage us. Sorry, But these three things that Paul mentions are worth our time due to their importance and in the inclusion in this text. So we conclude our time in Ephesians by these three words. Number one, peace. Next to Romans, peace is mentioned more in the letter to Ephesians than any of Paul's other letters. Paul opens the letter with grace and peace. Chapter 1, verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, he tells us that Jesus came to make peace. In chapter 3, verse 4, he tells us that unity is peace and tells us that the gospel brings peace in chapter 6, verse 15. Howard Hayner says it not only expresses objective peace, but also a subjective feeling of well-being. Peace is a deeply rooted feeling that I am going to be all right. It's that feeling that in the midst of whatever may be crashing in around me, whatever thoughts may be coming into my head, I'm going to be okay because of God. And this encourages us. And as the body of Christ, as brothers and sisters, we want to foster each other having that deeply rooted feeling that we're going to be all right. A peace that comes from God. The second fruit he describes is love. That's the Greek word agapeo, which is the unconditional sacrificial love that we learn from Christ. Ephesians could be summarized as an emphasis of the great love of God for us and that love being reflected in our love for others. In this closing, Paul gives two modifiers on love, with faith and from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are important. We want to have love with faith. And so this is a love that comes by yielding our hearts to God, by turning to him and letting him work in our lives. And so that may be the issue here today is if you've never said, I trust you, God, have your way and experience his love because you're looking out for you instead of letting God look out for you. And if you will begin to incline your heart to God, you will begin to experience a love that overflows. The other modifier is from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As our culture specifically in this country, continues to head in many ways in a progressive way. Love has always, and it's still defined by God. God is love. Love is not God. And our love must be solidly founded in him and his character. And I would just warn you that even among Christian churches and Christian writing, we are beginning to take liberty with the word love that becomes blasphemy. Love is rooted in who God is. Paul is saying here, may God continue to reveal his love to you. And this encourages our hearts. And that's what we want to do for each other is we want to continue to remind each other of the great love of God and let that flow out of us. And the third fruit he mentions is grace. I think when most people think of Ephesians, they think of grace. Again, Paul opens the letter with grace and peace to you. He ties our hope to the riches of God's grace in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 summarizes verses 1 through 8 of that chapter. He writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Chapter 3 talks about ministry being a grace. And in chapter 4, verse 29, we are told that speech that glorifies God gives grace to those who hear. Paul has clearly established that life is grace. Grace isn't a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. It's a growing thing. Grace is seeing more and more of how you are a sinner. 
And God's grace covers you as you continue to learn who he is and how he loves you. Grace is denying yourself and seeing how God proves himself to you. Grace is serving others. And even if they don't show you appreciation, God showing you your time and your talent and treasure are not wasted with him. And grace is the trial and God growing you in the trial. And this encourages our hearts and we ought to be people of grace, continual, deep, abiding grace. So as I close, I'll just ask you this question. What encourages you more? Cool trips, cool activities, cool jobs, cool stuff, or the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ? or the fruit of what God is doing. Because there is a deep and meaningful love that you have not experienced, that you are designed to experience. And, and being encouraged purely by superficial things is just that. It's shallow. And I'm telling you that if you will incline your heart towards God and let him have his way in your life, there is a deep joy that comes. But a sober warning this morning is that the kind of encouragement that the Bible speaks of can only come to those who have trusted their heart to Jesus Christ. The Bible is rich with great encouragement. And I think if we're honest, we long for our hearts to be encouraged in such a way. And the issue is that many of us have not said, hey, I realize what my heart needs is Jesus. And some of us even use the Bible and religion, and yet we haven't turned our hearts towards Jesus Christ. But Paul says to the brothers with faith and with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. He's talking about a sincere love, a pure love. Love of Jesus for Jesus. Love of God for God. You see, sometimes people say they love God. They say they love Jesus, but they don't really. They love what they think he can give them. I, I was reading an article the other day about one of the issues in relationships is people go into marriage for what they think they can get out of marriage and not with a love for the person. And when they talk about love, they're often talking about what they hope they can have. But the truth is, the greatest enemy to their marriage <coughs> and their happiness is their spouse's opinions. And the truth is, they don't really love that person. Now, in a marriage, we can get into whether opinions should be valid or all that stuff, okay? Um, I'll take your side, all right, if you come and talk to me. But um, with God... He's always right. His opinion is always right. And if you are trying to avoid, ignore, or dismiss his opinion, do you really love him and recognize who he is? So that would be my question for you. Do you love God? Do you love him? And I pray that you would turn your heart to see who he is. Another question I would ask you as I wrap up is, 
how can you encourage someone's heart? On a Sunday night this summer, <clears throat> I had one of the hardest uh, nights of my life. And then that following Monday, I'm not exaggerating, I received over a hundred emails and texts from you in the most encouraging day of my entire life. You practically are what sustains me for the life that God has called me to live. There are others who need you to do that. They keep coming to your mind. You keep thinking you need to call or text or email. Do it. Don't hesitate. Do it. And then how can your life be poured out for what really matters? As we enter into a new year, again, his mercies are new every morning. January 1st means nothing in terms of significance to what God can do, but it does to us. And as we enter into this new year, might we with sincerity ask God, how can I pour my life out for others? It may not mean anything about what we do changes, but how we do it changes. And I pray that's all of our desire. Hey, let me pray over us and then we'll uh, close, uh, I think, with singing, right? We usually do that. Okay, yeah, so let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your grace that we could meet today. Um, Truly, as we think about um, our brothers and sisters across the world, the conflicts across the world, we ought not to take meeting together for granted. Thank you for the amount of people who show up to worship you. God, you say where two or more are gathered, you're there. And so, God, I, I believe that at least two of us are praying today that there would be those who are here today or maybe those who are watching online who need you, that would recognize their need for you, and they would turn their heart and trust you. And you would begin to do a work of showing them how deep your love. And if they question how deep your love is, if anyone questions how deep your love is today, I pray that they are reminded of the cross of Jesus Christ, the humility of our Savior coming to this earth, taking on the sins of those of us who would be found in him, paying the price that we deserve and yet in victory and power and authority defeating death and rising from the dead and promising resurrection to us and so I pray that someone experiences a death to self and a resurrection in you today God I pray that we would listen to the prompting of your spirit to encourage those we know need encouragement. Even those we don't know need encouragement, that we would just encourage and you would use your people to continue to strengthen the work of the church here in this community and beyond. And God, I pray that maybe as a result of our gathering together and response to your word, someone's life being poured out in a fresh and new or faithful way this year would change eternity for someone. Make a difference for someone. So God be with us as we respond to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.